Welcome to the Polaris PT Podcast. Join us as we dive into all aspects of health and wellness, from physical and mental to relationships and spirituality with leading experts and luminaries from a broad spectrum of specializations. I'm your host, Dr. Brig Woods, performance physical therapist and owner of Polaris PT and Wellness. On the podcast today, I have Dr. Carolyn Stone, a naturopathic doctor and owner of Stone Naturopathic. She teaches women with Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism how to be their own doctor so they can feel confident, strong, and in charge of their health. Dr. Stone maintains an in-person practice in Tempe, Arizona, and coaches women online from all over the world. She's also author of Hashimoto's, You Got This. Please welcome to the podcast, Dr. Carolyn Stone. Dr. Stone, Carolyn, what do you prefer? Doesn't matter. Whatever you want to call me. All right. Welcome. <laughs> welcome to the podcast. Thank you for coming by. I appreciate it. It's it's it. I know everybody's super busy. And so it really actually it genuinely means a lot that people will take the time to come hang out. So, yeah, absolutely. I love connecting with new people. And yeah. So we were kind of briefly started in on this. And if you guys listen to the intro, I know a lot of people skip through that sometimes. Naturopathic medical doctor specializes in thyroid disorders. Is, is Hashimoto's like an emphasis then? It is. Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism because they tend to go together. For sure. Yep. So how did you end up falling into this or choosing to do this or... Yeah, it kind of chose me. So okay. I, I initially thought that I was going to specialize in diabetes. It's what I, you know, focused on when I was in med school a little bit. And really what was walking in my door was women with thyroid hormone and adrenal issues, which tend to all come together. Uh, and then I myself was diagnosed with Hashimoto. So it came, became an even bigger focus for my practice. And I've just kind of run with it. Awesome. No, this is so one. I, and maybe David told you. So that's how we got connected was David. Yeah. Right. I figured. But, um, well, no, just for everybody else listening. Right. But did David tell you that I've got Hashimoto's? No. So that was the other reason why I was like, I need to talk to Dr. Stone yeah. because I probably might. End, I, I actually need to come see you. <laughs> come but, see me. but I figured this was a great way to also get some of my questions answered. <laughs> and for it. anybody else who is uh, out there suffering with Hashimoto's. Yeah. So when did you, how did you find out you had it? Like what was going on with you? Yeah. So I actually diagnosed myself. Okay. Um, I had seen actually several doctors and nobody had found it yet. They had been checking my thyroid, um, but they were only running TSH, which is very common for conventional system. For sure. But I had even seen some naturopathic doctors who weren't testing for it and missed it as well, which was kind of unfortunate. So what is the test then that, that you're going to run? Yep. So there's a handful of tests that you look at, but specifically for Hashimoto's, what you're going to look at are thyroid antibodies. There's mm -hmm. two different ones, TPO and thyroglobulin. And so usually either one or the other is going to be elevated, sometimes both. Mm -hmm. And in the majority of cases, that's going to indicate Hashimoto's. There's a small percentage of like maybe 2% that don't have positive antibodies, but you'll find evidence on their ultrasound. Interesting. So I was gaining weight. I was super tired, had trouble getting out of bed, like was barely making it through my day. And like, aside from just gaining weight, it just kind of felt puffy. Uh, it's the best way to describe it. And so I knew something was up, but I was also not taking care of myself, working too much, eating junk, you know, not moving my body the way that I needed to. So I always kind of just blamed it on that. Uh, and then realized it was really a combination of the two things. So I ended up testing myself once I had learned a little bit more. And sure enough, there it was. So if you don't mind my asking, what were your TPO numbers? Over 1,300. <gasps> <laughs> yeah. <Dude>. Hi. <laughs> wow. Yep. Yep. They okay. were up there. So mine were, mine were at 300. 
Oh, not bad. Not when ba- I see well, that, I'm like, huh. Yeah, easy. well, yeah. And then I recently got tested again. Mm-hmm. I was up around 2,000. Yeah. But you know, interesting piece, antibodies don't necessarily indicate the severity of disease. So I only put so much stock in that because it's not the antibodies that are attacking your thyroid cells. It's actually the T cells that do that. And there's not really a test out there to test, you know, how much the T cells are attacking the thyroid gland. They'll do it sometimes in research, but it's not something that's commercially available. So I always tell folks, if you've got high antibodies, but you feel good, don't worry about the antibodies being high. I've seen, yeah, because I've seen people with low antibodies have really severe symptoms. As far as I was concerned, right? I I did that thing where I'm like, I'm not the typical person who looks up WebMD, right? I know, Mm -hmm. I know too much. I know enough (laughs) to get myself into trouble, right? So I was like, I'm going to go to, PubMed. Mm-hmm. I'm going to read some journals. And I see this thing that says anything over 1300 in people with Hashimoto's thyroiditis is in def- not wasn't like indications or suggests it was definitive for multifocal uh can- thyroid cancer. Yeah. And I was like I've got cancer. <laughs> Very like, clearly. No, no, like for like I was like I've got cancer. Mm-hmm. I've got cancer. Mm-hmm. And then the guy that I went that I've kind of been working with for some other stuff, but he was like, I don't think you have cancer. He's like, but we would be stupid to not get an ultrasound. Yep. He's like, so let's go get you an ultrasound. And then found out, I think a five millimeter, is it millimeters? The mm-hmm. measurement? Yeah. Five, like a four or five millimeter nodule. Okay. That was like poly, like was like cystic and yep. solid. Yep. He's like, so, and the radiologist said, you know, I don't think we need to no further investigation warranted. And my guy was like, yeah, but we'll do another one next year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like, we'd be stupid to not. He goes, but this is a direct, this is compounding interest on you making bad choices, man. Yep. <laughs> this is compound interest on you eating like a jerk. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Yeah. Duly noted. Yep. And then I was good for about three months and then I kind of got stressed again and ate like a jerk for the last yep, month or so. Yep. That's how we usually go. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So then... So then did you man- try to manage it yourself? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> why Why would I ask anybody else for help? Just do it yourself. So, <laughs> right. but it took, it took time because when, and I think this is true for most people, when we're talking about lifestyle changes, when you've been living a certain way for a period of time, like it's not, you know, as if overnight, you're just going to change those things. Right. So it's kind of piece by piece. You start putting things together. You start moving a little bit more. So I started with like yoga, like super gentle yoga. And then now I look back and I'm like, okay, I probably should have just started training from the beginning but it's fine, right? right? Everyone's got their journey, right? Started eating better and then things just started getting better. And I was on thyroid medication for a short period of time, but mm. I was able to get back off of that really? um, once I started taking better care of myself. Interesting. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so that was one of the things that I actually was curious about because I, I started going through your page and I love, it's like almost, I'm like, dude, there's a ton of knowledge here. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I was looking at was the difference in medications. Yes. And so... Well, so did your numbers come down to a point where you were like, hey, I don't need to be on meds anymore? They came down to a point and were stable there for a while. And yeah. I had been feeling well. My symptoms were well controlled. So I thought, let's just test it and see what happens. And it was fairly low dose anyways. Yeah. Um, I think the highest I got was maybe 60 milligrams of NP thyroid, which is like one grain, um, or equivalent to about 100 micrograms of levothyroxine for comparison. Okay. So I was like, all right, let's test this and see what happens. So I dropped it down to 30, retested my levels after about four to six weeks. They were super stable still. So I just dropped it and saw what happened and my body was able to maintain on its own. So interesting. Yeah. Okay. Cause yeah. Cause I'm, I currently take 60 milligrams of mm-hmm 
of armor. Yeah. Yep. And that was what I was curious about because <laughs> you were talking about in this thing, you're talking about the difference between like level thyroxin armor. Cause those are two fairly common. Yep. And I went with the armor cause I was like, well, this seems more like natural, right? Yeah. This is not synthetic. This is going to be better. But then I NP thyroid, my, my provider NP thyroid wasn't even an option. Mm -hmm. So what's the difference between NP thyroid and say armor? So they're, they're similar in that they're both what we call NDTs or natural desiccated thyroids. So okay. they're, they're extracts from glands, right? Mm -hmm. So they'll have both T3 and T4 in it, which is great. That's still an upgrade from level thyroxine, which is only T4. Uh, the problem with only T4 medications is that you're assuming your body has the capability mm -hmm. to convert T4 into T3, which is more biologically active. Okay. And for a lot of people who have Hashimoto's, they're not doing that very well. Right. So that's where the natural desiccated can be you know, very helpful. But where they'll differ is in their inactive ingredients. And mm. so that's where some people will be more sensitive to one versus the other. Gotcha. Um, and I've just found in my experience, you know, with my patients that a lot less people are going to react to NP thyroid than armor thyroid. I see a lot of, I would say the most common thing I see with armor thyroid is heart palpitations. Oh, okay. But I also have people who are on armor and they're very well maintained. So yeah. it's really an individualized thing. It's nice to have a couple of options in sure. that same category though. Yeah. And my levels have been great since yeah. I've been on armor. And so I was like, one of those, I'm like, well, should, do I need to be on MP? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I'm like, what's, do I need, this is this better? Nah. So I always tell people, I'm like, if what you're doing is working and you feel good, keep doing it. If yeah. something's off, then that's time to look at other options and see what you need to be changing. Okay. And so medication, you were able to get yourself off medication. Mm -hmm. Now my provider has, we've kind of talked and he's like, your Hashimoto's is a seeming, it, at least from his, where he's coming, he's like, it's coming from a leaky gut. Mm -hmm. Is that always the case? Pretty much, yes. So when we look at the, there's something called the three-legged stool of autoimmunity. I don't know if you've ever I heard saw, about I that. I saw your post. Yeah, I made a post on that. So when we think about the conditions that need to be present in order for someone to develop an autoimmune disorder, and that's any autoimmune disorder, not just Hashi's, it would be a genetic predisposition. So somebody in your family likely has an autoimmune disorder. They may not know it, but they probably do. Okay. So that's one piece. The other piece is stress. And the third piece is leaky gut. So when those three things are present, your chances of turning on those genes mm -hmm. is going to be much higher. And so does the stress. So here's the question, right? Mm -hmm. Is it, is it like a, like a triangle where the three points, they all are independent of each other, but all have to be present or are they three points that influence each other? to create the Hashis in the center. Do you know what I'm saying? They kind of influence each other. I would say okay. the genetic predisposition is a little bit separate, but stress impacts your gut. Stress causes right. leaky gut. So if you've got okay. one, you're likely to have the other. So they play with each other. All right. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. I, I, I often joke. I'm like, I've, at least as far as my body's concerned and my stress, not comparable to a war zone at all. But like, I realize I have been living on, I, I lived under constant stress from 19 on. God, well, no wonder. Just high, <laughs> yeah. Like I had one. I went and saw another naturopath one time. He's like, "Dude, your adrenals, your cord, like your, your, your shot." Yeah. Like, how does that? So then, adrenal. So that all impacts itself. So how does stress <clears throat> affect the gut? Like, I'm learning so much and having these conversations with people, like about the gut. Yeah. Like looking at, like we, I was talking with somebody about peptides. Mm -hmm. Drew, Dr. Yeah, Timmermans, we were yep. talking about peptides and stuff. And he's like, yeah, you know, he's like, you know, BPC-157 is actually produced in your gut, right? Yep. So he's like, so if your gut's screwy, you're gonna have a hard time healing as well. 100%. So how does stress then inform or affect 
Yeah. Because this is going to parlay into the their mouth. <laughs> I got so many questions. Ah, right. And hopefully I'm not. Yeah. Like. No, you're great. So think about stress, right? There, there can be good stressors like exercise is a stress on the body, right? But we recover from that. But when we have really significant stress or we have long-term stress, that's creating a state of inflammation in the body. And we know that inflammation is the core of all disease. We also know that the gut health is at the core of all disease. So stress creating that inflammatory response is what's going to affect the gut. So when we talk about leaky gut for people who aren't familiar, the cells lining the intestine should be really close together, right? They're only letting small particles through. But when you have leaky gut, then those cells start to come apart. And then you have bigger particles leaking through and it sends your immune system on a little bit of a frenzy. It's like, wait, why is this stuff out here? This shouldn't be here. It looks like a foreign substance, like a bacteria or a virus or something that shouldn't be here. Isn't it? I mean, you're basically leaking crap. Yes. Feces into your bloodstream. Yeah. Sort of. More or less, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. So the immune system's like, ah, I don't like this. So it starts to mount a response and then, you know, autoimmunity is often running from there. Okay. So then, so what's the relationship then between like why, why the thyroid, right? Like from the gut to the thyroid. So it just kind of depends. Everyone's body's a little bit different. And so... It, you know, we can't necessarily explain, okay, well, why did your immune system choose your thyroid versus like in an RA patient, it's choosing the joints, yeah. you know, or some other place. Okay. It's just luck. And the reality is, or maybe not luck, but, and the reality is, is like, once you have one autoimmune disorder, you are at a higher risk for developing other autoimmune disorders. So it doesn't always just stay with the thyroid. It could go somewhere else. Okay. Yeah. Um, so then looking at leaky gut and you were talking about how root disease talking about thyroid dysfunction and that led me, I forgot, but led me down to, I was like, man, I was looking through all this stuff. Um, the connection between say like ADD, OCD, cause here's the other thing, like this is so crazy. Like I was looking at this, I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> cause I've got, I was, I've been diagnosed with like almost everything that mm-hmm. is in there. Mm-hmm. Amazing, right? Y- yeah, I'm like, yeah. I mean, I don't have, I don't necessarily have to be this way. <laughs> I can control some of this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, a good portion of the nervous system lives in the gut. And I'm sure maybe you've heard that term gut brain connection. Well, yeah, but but this is all stuff that like, so I I didn't go to med school, right? But I went to PT school. I had high level, graduate level physiology, anatomy and stuff. No, I had patho neuroanatomy and patho neurophysiology, right? Nobody's ever told like in school. Nobody ever was like, oh, yeah, by the way, your nervous system, your gut has a ton to do with your nervous system, right? Like, this is mm-hmm. all stuff that I'm learning in the last little while, yeah. and particularly by talking to more holistic, naturopathic doctors. So for people who this is like a wild concept for, can you break down, at least for me, who's an idiot, break down why the gut yeah. and how the nervous system are intertwined? Yeah. So, and and it's super interesting. I, and I forget, right? Because as naturopathic doctors, that's, we're trained in that. So it just, it, it's like second nature to us to, and then I forget that other people actually don't realize no. what that connection is. Right. Cause we see it in kids with ADD, ADHD, I yeah. mean, all sorts of stuff. And so and we don't have health. Like, and I've said, I've said it before a million times, we don't have health care. Yep. We have sick care. We have sick care. And, and why would I try to fix you? <laughs> If you're going to keep coming back and giving me money for meds and, and everything else. Yeah. And so this is very similar 
you know, in that, because when we think about the stress response, right, that's involving the nervous system. It's all going back to really at its core is inflammation. You can have leaky gut, just like you can have leaky brain, which a lot of people don't talk about, right? So you have this blood brain barrier. Well, yeah. And so that can become leaky as well. And I've seen a handful of people touch on that on Instagram, which has been super interesting because I kind of dove into that a little bit. So are we we talking about like like Alzheimer's and some of that other stuff might be... Yeah, yeah. But, you know, and we see this as part of, so, okay, Hashimoto's has, leak, you know, connected to leaky gut. Yeah. What are some of the defining features of that? Well, one major one is brain fog. So that's coming from leaky brain, right? Yeah. So, and that, that nervous system, because so much of it does live into the gut, well, things that are leaking out of the gut are then going to affect the nerves. So where do those nerves travel? They travel everywhere, just like our blood travels everywhere. So that's why when people have leaky gut, you're not just going to see gut symptoms. They might have joint pain. They might have skin rashes. They might have migraines because it doesn't just stay in the gut, right? The things that are around the gut travel throughout the body. So it can affect really any part of the body. And that's part of that connection there. But also we think about it from, again, that stress perspective, which is, okay, you're activating a part of the nervous system and that can trigger other things then to, to, to develop. Gotcha. Yeah, no, I feel terrible. Like it, my wife and I'll go out to like on a date and we'll go get pizza Mm -hmm. and then we'll go get ice cream. And then the next morning I can barely function (laughs) and I look like a Sharpay. Mm -hmm. Like my, like, cause I'm like so swollen and I got like a 10 pound swing. Yep. And it's, it's the like, and my, like my knees start hurting. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's the worst. Yep. So, okay, it's just, no, it's just, it's just one of those things you don't realize. Yeah. Once people make that connection, it's crazy because they start paying attention to how they feel after the foods that they eat and they start to recognize like how much it makes a difference for them, especially if they are eating relatively well for a while and then start adding those things back in. It's like, whoo, such a big reaction. They realize why they don't do that stuff anymore. Well, so, so let me ask you a question then. Um, what if, if somebody's got Hashimoto's or suspects they might have Hashimoto's, right? First of all, go see somebody. Yep. Go see Dr. Stone. <laughs> and then two, like what, where do you start with people? Do you start with lifestyle changes, yes. diet, exercise? So what do you tell people about, about diet? Yeah. So really this has changed and transformed for me over time, just based on testing it on myself and testing it on my patients. Oftentimes when we're going to start with someone is an elimination diet. Okay. Right. Take them back to the basics and my style of elimination diet. Now there's some nuance from patient to patient, but generally it's kind of an animal based or carnivore style diet because okay. most of them are going to do very well on that because it doesn't have things like grains, gluten, um, nightshades, which can be problematic, gotcha. um, nuts, seeds, beans, all of those things that can be problematic for them. We take all that out now, we get the, get to chill out. Now when you're doing, yeah. when you're talking animal proteins, yep. Are there some animal proteins that are better than others? Heck yeah. Beef's king. Is it? Yeah. So like chicken, pork, lamb. Cool. They'll get you your protein, but red meat, beef, Uh that packs a punch when it comes to nutrients. And when we think about it from the perspective of the thyroid, thyroid needs B12. It needs iron. It needs selenium. It needs zinc. All of those things are in beef in, in bigger amounts than what we see in the other nutrients. Okay. Now... Does it really, does it really, does it really matter if it's, if it's, if it's grass fed and grass finished? I don't think so. 
Really? Whoa. <laughs> so let me explain that a little bit. You and, let me, you and Dr. Sa- whatever, Carnivore MD 2.0. Yeah. He, so let he, me, would, he would call his, <laughs> if on his Instagram, he would be like, that's bullshit. Oh, uh, yes. And I'll probably get some flack from some people. But let me explain why why I think that. But hey, be, be divisive. Yes. <laughs> pick, pick, a, pick a side. Yes. So here's the reason I say that. Because I think that can be limiting for a lot of people when you say that I want you to eat beef, but it can only be the most expensive type beef. Sure. They're like, well, now I'm not going to do it and I'm going to fail and I'm never going to feel well. Right. Well, you know what? I meet my patients where they're at. For sure. And meat's expensive. Yeah. So I say, fine. It is I don't care. Get your standard grown. Now, if somebody has the ability to afford grass-fed, grass-finished, heck yeah, go for it. Especially if it's regenerative, right? Get it from a regenerative farm. Amazing. That's great for the environment. But when at the end of the day, I still get good results with people who are eating conventionally grown meat. And so if it's a barrier, if it's a financial barrier, eat the beef. Yeah, reduce the barrier, right? 100%. What's crazy, I don't know, do you follow him? Oh, of course I do. <laughs> did, he did. He posted something the other day where he put them next to each other. Mm-hmm. Holy crap. Like the grass-fed, grass-finished stuff was like maroon. Yeah. Like yeah. ASU maroon. <laughs> and the other stuff was the color of your jacket. Yeah, yeah. So is, is that just an increased... Uh, like uh, hemoglobin, myoglobulin. I think so. That would be my guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it makes logical sense that that would be the case. So, right. yeah. But Some it, more nutrient dense, right? And it tastes different. Oh, yeah. It does. It does. It does. And, yeah. and it's interesting. Like the first time I tried it, this is, this is how like, if you haven't had both, guys, <laughs> this is, and this is how messed up we are with the foods that we've eaten. I thought it had gone bad. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. It's I, a different palate. I ate grass-fed, grass-finished beef because my brother was like, dude, if you can get it, we need you to get it. Yeah. And I ate it and I was like, this has gone bad. <laughs> the meat has gone bad. And, and I, I was like, what? <laughs> and, and then I realized I started eating more and more and more. That's how it tastes. Yes. And now I prefer that mm-hmm. it has a more like earthy very much more earthy it's got like a, yeah, a little earthier yeah because they're fed different foods right well, yeah. so it's gonna taste different yeah, yeah but it's it's it was crazy to me how much how different that is yeah between like corn fed soy fed yep beef yeah who's just through the gills with antibiotics and yep whatever else yeah so yes there can be a difference if you can afford the better stuff yeah because especially like for people with Hashimoto's they can have corn and soy sensitivities right and so that may make it more difficult to process those things but at the end of the day if they tolerate conventional and they can't afford the best of the best then get your beef in so why does everybody hate gluten what did gluten do to everybody (laughs) It's such a jerk. So like, like, like why? Like everybody's like gluten's like gluten is one of those things. Ice baths now are, are like what gluten was like 10 years. Like, so you know true. what I mean? Right. Yeah. And I, I'm a big, I love, I love ice baths. I think they're great. Yeah. Right. But it's like the trendy thing. Like I used to be like, I'm not, I don't have like, I don't have gluten <laughs> allergy. I'm just like gluten sensey. <laughs> I love that. I'm like, come on. Yeah, but, but it makes but, a difference. But, but, yeah, it, well, I know it does because mm-hmm. I when I eat gluten, yep. again, Sharpe, face puffy, ten pound <laughs> swing. Yep. But but what is it? Why? Why? Uh, yeah. Why? And is it? Have we been eating different? Because I don't have. Here's something else. I don't have the same reaction. I never. I didn't have the same reaction 
when I was in Europe. Yep. That's very, very common. Very, right? very and, common. And like my my parents lived in France for three years mm-hmm. or two two years. Okay. My parents lived in France for two years. I got to go visit them and everybody's buying baguette. Like it's, it's, we actually made a game out of like, have you been to France? No. Oh, <laughs> we made a game out of counting how many people were carrying baguettes. <laughs> That's great. People legit carry baguettes. Like awesome. they they go for, they buy their bread day of. Mm-hmm. They go to work on the way home from work. They mm-hmm. stop by. I think it's called the boulangerie. They they stop by the bakery. They grab their baguette and they go home. It was probably fresh made that day too. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So, and and then I know I'm throwing a lot of stuff at you. That's all good. This is my ADD brain at work here, <laughs> which I can probably fix now <laughs> without my Adderall. Uh, and then here I'm so you want to know why gluten? Yeah. So gluten. Yeah. So gluten. Why? Why here in America when I eat bread, like I feel terrible. Mm-hmm. Why when I had bread in in Europe, in Italy, in France, I don't feel as bad or bad. Yeah. And then three. Can I have sourdough? <laughs> so everybody's a little bit different. Okay. It depends on your reaction. So gluten, why is it a problem, especially for people with Hashimoto's? Gluten, uh, protein gliadin, right, looks very similar to a protein that's in your thyroid, thyroglobulin. Okay. And if your immune system, and I don't like to say it this way, but oftentimes we'll say, okay, the immune system's attacking the thyroid, which isn't. I saw that post. Yeah, 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 I don't love it, but whatever. People understand it. So if your immune system. But isn't it? It's not attacking it is, the thyroid. It it's yeah, attacking yeah. the crap that's gathered yeah, yeah, yeah. in the thyroid. Yeah, exactly. Right? But at the end of the day, right, the thyroid cells are the ones that are the target, right? Yeah. So if your immune system is already in the process of attacking those thyroid cells, creating damage in the thyroid cells, and then you eat something with gluten in it, the immune system's like, oh, that looks very similar. It's what we call molecular mimicry. And so if it looks similar enough, it's like, oh, I don't like that. I'm already attacking this other thing that looks like it. Now it's going to perpetuate that autoimmune response. Freaking bigoted immune system. (laughs) The other piece is too, like especially, you know, with conventionally grown. It's profiling. Immune yeah. systems profiling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Sure. Exactly. But the way that wheat is grown in the, the U.S., right? Think about a conventional wheat, like all the things that are sprayed on it, right? Yeah. That are intended to explode the guts of bugs. Well, what do you think it's doing to our gut? Yeah. So then it can contribute to leaky gut from that perspective. In Is this why I felt so much better on paleo? Probably. Okay. Probably. Paleo is a, a common go-to for people who have Hashimoto's. Interesting. Some people need to be a little bit more strict. For sure. Um, but Sorry. Yeah. And I interrupt you with the weed thing. No, so, you're good. Growing the weed thing, <laughs> exploding insect guts. Yeah. And moving. Yeah. Yeah. So the way, you know, in Europe, it's done differently, yeah. right? And most of our bread on the shelves, how long has it been on there? How many preservatives are in it? And... You know, back in, what was it, 1998, I think is when the FDA started fortifying bread with folic acid. Yeah. And a good portion of the people who have Hashimoto's have an MTHFR enzyme deficiency. A what deficiency? MTHFR. Okay. And so it's a genetic uh, defect, essentially. And so that's very common in people who have Hashimoto's, and those people have trouble methylating folic acid. Okay. Right? They can methylate folate that comes from foods like eggs and liver and those types of things. But when you put folic acid in there, they don't do that job very well. And so that can create some issues with them as well. Okay. Yeah. And then I've heard sourdough can possibly be 
an alternative for some folks. Okay. Yeah. It just depends on their sensitivity. Okay. So, you know, usually I, I'll get people to a place where they're feeling well, guts healed. Okay. Then start testing things out and see how okay. your body responds to it. And some people find, okay, I can have sourdough once a week, but if I do it every day right. or even every other day, then that's a problem for yeah. me. Gotcha. Yeah. And then, so yeah. So basically what I was told, um, when my, my provider was like, Hey, here's the deal, man. Animal protein. I don't want you to drink your protein. Yeah. So animal protein only. I want you to try to consume a pound, a gram for per pound of body weight. Mm -hmm. I was like, dude, I'm 250. That's a lot of protein. It's <laughs> a lot of protein. Can I do two? Like, I want, I want, I want to be 215 again. Can I be two? Can I do 215? Mm -hmm. He's like, sure. But he's like, potatoes or rice. Mm. He's like, I don't care what kind of potatoes, but potato or rice. Mm. Now I'm going to. And I, I hear that. Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> to be fair, yeah, not his area of expertise, but That's has okay. a bunch of that, right? And then he's like, and then fruits or vegetables. So okay. he's like, your plate. If you're eating a plate, man, half of it should be animal protein, quarter of it should be some kind of starch, other quarter of it should be some sort of fruit and vegetable. Now, what do you got against this? I want to hear what your opinion is on the starch stuff. Yeah. So it's not that I'm against starch whatsoever. Like oftentimes I'll have my patients eating white rice uh, and sweet potatoes, but white potatoes are a nightshade. So they don't always, uh, you're saying white potato, we're talking like Yukon gold. Yeah. 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 Like your russet potato, okay. those types of things. So depending on the person and their sensitivities, yeah. white potato can potentially be problematic because it is a nightshade. Gotcha. Sweet potatoes are not. So they tend to tolerate those better. Okay. But again, are, what about red yeah. potatoes? Red potatoes, I think fall? those are still considered a nightshade. Gosh dang it. Right. <laughs> I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure those are still a nightshade. Yeah. Fantastic. Some rose <laughs> Don't with me some on. with some garlic and rosemary. Yeah. Google it on my shirt. <laughs> All right. But but okay. Yeah. Back to the we just, uh, I was you saw me texting a second ago. My my sister in law, my nephew, he's funny. They have like a cake display thing oh, yeah. at their house. So he took a Twinkie. <laughs> And, mm -hmm. he, and he put it under it, like as like, hey, we're I'm displaying the Twinkie, right? <laughs> the Twinkie has been there for six months. Oh, gross! <laughs> there's not, there's no mold. Not it surprised. hasn't decayed. Not surprised. That Twinkie is still sitting under that glass. Imagine it in your gut, then. <laughs> that is so, like I was thinking about that as I'm telling you about because I was like, hey, how long has the Twinkie been there? <laughs> They now have Oreo under there too. They have, oh. they have Oreos under there. So we're oh, going to see. So interesting. We're see what happens with, with the Oreos. But like, think how disgusting is that? Mm -hmm. I mean, Twinkies are delicious, but how disgusting is that? Yeah. Yeah. Like your body's not going to process that. No, it's not intended to because these are science experiments. They're not real food. <laughs> well, and that's the problem. Like, what's crazy too. And back to, the, I know like, look, there's not much that I go to Europe for, right? Like, <laughs> you, I don't know if you ever watched Parks and Rec. Yes, I love Parks and Rec. Right, Ron Swanson, when he's in when he's in England, he's like, history began in 1776. <laughs> he's standing in front of like Parliament and Big Benning. Everything before that was a mistake. <laughs> right? Oh, I I'm love him. Yeah, but, uh, but what's crazy too is I did feel like I could eat smaller portions mm -hmm. in Europe and feel full. Yeah. Yeah. It's quality. Yeah. There's so many other, there's so many chemicals that are allowed in our food here that are not allowed in like red Europe dye other, for one, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's a big one. Yep. Yeah. It's insane. It is. And I get like, yeah, I get, I understand yay yeah, capitalism and like, let's, I'm, I'm the biggest, like, let's get rid of regulation. Yeah. <laughs> right. I like, that's me. But on the other side of that coin, 
people got to be better informed. 100%. And that's the hard part. Especially when your provider is the one that's not well informed and you're looking to them for help. It's interesting. I was, um, I was taking, I took a course recently, uh, about load, load management, right. Mm-hmm. And how to train harder and smarter. Mm-hmm. And I happened to be in this class with, uh, oh, I'm going to bust, I'm going to blow his name. Oh, Buddy Morris. Okay. Buddy Morris is the head strength coach for the Arizona Cardinals. Okay. And I don't even know that he's got like, I don't think he has like a master's or a PhD or anything like that in um, exercise fizz or anything like that. But he's just old school strength guy. Like if football and like weightlifting were personified, they'd be personified in this guy. (laughs) He was awesome. And he was rough. And he was like... You've never trained Westside Barbell unless you've been to Westside Barbell. Like that kind of <laughs> guy, right? But that dude reads more books than anybody I've ever I've ever met. Mm-hmm. He told me, like, this dude was spouting off just knowledge after knowledge after like knowledge. That. And he was crazy. Like, one of the smartest dudes I've ever met sitting there listening to this guy. I, I could have I just sat and talked to him and let him just dispense knowledge. But it was interesting he has, he was telling me, or he's telling the whole class, mm-hmm. he goes, I've got these two new DPTs working for me, these new <laughs> doctors of physical therapy, right? Which is what I am. And, mm-hmm. I was, and, and, and a good third of the class. And he's like, they're useless. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I probably don't disagree with you. Yeah. He goes, they suffer from academic myopia. Mm. He's like, they only teach you what they want you to know. I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's not wrong, right? Yeah. And and so a lot of providers go out. A lot of providers would be great providers. They are great providers. They want to be great providers. They just work in a really crappy system and don't 100%. know any better. Yes, yes. That is a big part of the problem. These they're not happy being in these mills where it's you're seeing a pa- you know, one patient every five minutes, how many patients a day, and not being, you know, really that well compensated, all things considered for that. Yeah. And that's not the life that they they didn't get into medicine to practice that way. They're they're no. it's part of the system. Yeah. yeah. I mean, same thing with PT, right? This is why we do what we do here is because we can't take care of people really well. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many, and it's, again, it's not a knock against the therapist that they went and saw, Mm-mm. but I can't tell you how many people have come from other PT mills and they're like, yeah, I've seen like three or four phys- different physical therapists and nobody's ever been able to fix it. And then we actually take an hour, take the time to look at them and change some things and they go, oh, Mm-hmm. Oh, this is better than the nine months I spent in therapy. Yep. Yep. And it's crazy, right? And they'd and much it, rather pay you cash to get results faster, right? Than yeah. to spend how much time in the system not well, getting they, anywhere. And, and, and in the long term, they actually saved money because 100%. their time, right? They didn't come see, they don't see me three times a week. They're not, right? I did like, if you live 15 minutes from your PT clinic, you go three times a week, you're there an average of an hour and 15 minutes. So three times a week, you're looking at three hours and 45 minutes, 30 minutes each day to drive there. You're now looking at five hours and 15 minutes. You've wasted five hours and 15 minutes of your week Yeah. when you could have been doing an, maybe an hour. It took you an hour and a half with the driving and everything. So how much time could you have been doing other things? Yeah. How much time did you take away? You know what I mean? Our time is so valuable. Well, same thing with like a naturopath Mm -hmm. with what you guys do. Like when was the last time? I mean, what's your, how long is an average visit with one of your 
So my initial intake is hour, hour and a half because I need to get all Wait, that information. It's an hour to an hour and a half. Yeah. When was the last time anybody listening got an hour to an hour and a half of your medical doctors, your 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 primary care physician's time? <laughs> I mean, my experience has been when I've gone and seen people was walking in cool. This is what's going on, doc. He's, he's 30 minutes behind. He walks in, you tell him what's going on. He goes, Oh, you probably got this. It's either, Oh, it's probably virus. Wait it out. Yeah. Or it's, <laughs> I need to order this test. That'll be $5,000. And, uh, here I'm ready to script for this. Yep. And then cool. You got any other questions, <laughs> but didn't address any lifestyle changes. Didn't ad- like, didn't address your sleep. Didn't address your stress management. Didn't address your food. Didn't address any of that stuff. And that's like the most important stuff to me. <laughs> well, right. That's the low hanging fruit that like <clears throat> when I did home health, it was, I would just see pages and pages of medication. And it started out with, I've got high blood pressure. Mm-hmm. Let me give you this blood pressure medicine to take care of your blood pressure. It wasn't, let me give you this blood pressure medicine to take care of your blood pressure. And let's take care of these lifestyle changes. It was Let's take care of this. Yep. And then it was, I came back later and I'm like, well, man, I'm, I, I'm feeling kind of nauseous. I think that's, this. oh, cool. Here's some Zofran. Here's some Zofran. <laughs> oh, cool. Oh, but now I've got this. Okay. I got a pill for that. Yeah. And, and then they just become drug dealers. Yeah. It's just an algorithm. It's like, what's your disease and what's the medication that goes with that? Even if it says three months of lifestyle and, you know, dietary changes as part of their algorithm, they all tend to skip that and just give the drug. Well, they don't have the time for it. Yeah. Again, the system. Yeah, they the time don't. or the knowledge. They're not taught that stuff in med school. It's starting to shift a little bit, but they get next to no nutrition. It's crazy. I joke, uh, you know, we get some, but a lot of the stuff that I've had to learn, I've had to learn outside Mm -hmm. but like i've often joked in the medical world physical therapists were punt returners that's it yep i was super weird i don't know what the uh, (laughs) go to physical therapy (laughs) so true (laughs) like like i saw i saw a gal one time she was and maybe here you you tell me what you think and i know and and i know knowing that you're not a like a musculoskeletal person right so she came in uh, the referral said bilateral knee pain, evaluate and treat. That's what we get. Great. Not, Super helpful. Not patellar tendinopathy, not anything other than bilateral knee pain, evaluate and treat. Figure it out. Yeah, figure it out. <laughs> figure it out, Dave. Um, and so I was seeing her, was doing, found you know a bunch of different, like found some impairments, some things that maybe could be changed would, be, would contribute to the root cause. We started addressing those things. She's young. She's in early 20s. She's super healthy, active. But she always can, and she got some marginal changes. Mm-hmm. She should have been better in four weeks. Mm-hmm. Marginal changes. She did the program, but she still complained about her knee pain. I was like, "What does it feel like? Is it sharp? Is it stabby? Is it?" She's like, "No, it's just kind of like a generalized like ache." Mm-hmm. Just listening to that, what do you think? I would start asking her about all those lifestyle things. Like what is going on? There's clearly inflammation there. And oftentimes if it's not an injury, you know, if it's bilateral, it wasn't an injury typically. So it's like, where is that coming from? Uh And why is that the target? Right. Mm -hmm. So then I started, so then I'm like, well, this isn't worse. So then I start going and doing research and I'm like, huh, okay. What are you eating before you come here? (laughs) What have you had to eat today? And I said, I, I'm not, because it's well outside my practice act, and I have no idea, but doing some research, looking at your symptoms, trying to look at other avenues of what's causing your pain, 
please go see a rheumatologist. Yep. At this point in my you know career, I, I should have sent her. I might have sent her a naturopath, but I said, <laughs> I need you to go. Just please do me a favor. Go get an appointment with a rheumatologist. Mm-hmm. She has celiacs. Go figure. She had freaking celiacs. <laughs> she cuts gluten out of her life, and all of a sudden, her knees don't hurt anymore. Yep. Like, but but they you can't do that if you don't have the time yeah. or the knowledge to differ, go through this differential diagnosis tree of this. Yeah. Let's look at some things. Well, and if you're just in the mill, right? Come in three times a week, do your thing. Yeah. We'll do this for 12 weeks or whatever, and then see you later. And if you're not better, well, good luck. Well, and luckily, like, not going to pat myself, but luckily, like, I was young and hungry in my career and was in a mill. But mm-hmm. it was like too competitive to let this go. Like that's <laughs> yep. really what it was. I hadn't I hadn't been jaded yet. Yeah, but that's had, why you are where you are now. Yeah, but had I been had I been there for five years, had I been at the end of when I left, yeah, I might have just said, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. Because mm. mm-hmm. I don't I don't care anymore. Yeah, because you're just tired. Yeah, yeah, I'm tired. I've got I see in thirty. Uh, I would see thirty patients a day. No way. 30 I would never and yeah and an eight and it like and if i was doing on a day where i might have been doing 10 hours of patient care and nine hours of patient care it was not uncommon to see anywhere from 25 to 30 patients a day i have never i was seeing a hundred or roughly a hundred patients a week visits wow. visits not necessarily individual patients but a hundred mm-hmm. visits a week on top of manage directing a clinic so people People listening real quick, sorry. I know we're, I'm worrying about thyroid stuff, but like this is my soapbox. This is the hill that I'm going to die on, and it matters for every single healthcare provider, not just PT. Guys, I was seeing 100 visits a week. So I was doing 40 hours of patient care, okay? I was also well, 35. I was also responsible for 10 hours of marketing a week. So I had, I worked half days with patient care. The other half of that day, I was supposed to be out marketing, trying to glad hand, kiss, shake hands and kiss babies and get doctors to send (laughs) to me, right? Oh, I'm also responsible for leading and managing the team and hitting goals and financial goals and resources and things like that, right? And yeah, and then go take time out of my day to go to like a director's meeting once a month and things like that, right? But I didn't get to the fact that if I treat all those people, I got to do notes on all those people. <laughs> the worst part. <laughs> yeah. So no wonder your provider doesn't give a crap. Yeah. They're tired. They're tired. They're the, worn out. The system dictates that. Yep. And so how are you going to get, how can you expect to get great care from a PT, from a doctor, from a physician, from your surgeon, mm-hmm. from your site, whoever, your nurse practitioner, how are you going to get that yeah. in that system? And they don't know anything about you either. And knowing someone's story makes a difference. Yeah. When I talk to somebody for an hour, hour and a half, by the end of it, I know what their relationship like is like with their husband. I know what's going on with their kids. I know traumas that they've experienced. And all of that stuff contributes to the way they're living their life now. And that's how we correct it. Know what levers to pull. Yes. Yes, exactly. You, you got to know what levers drive people. Yep. Right? Like, <clears throat> you can't, if somebody's not motivated by money, money's not going to, Yeah. you don't care, right? They're like, you're actually going to save more money. Mm-hmm. That doesn't matter to me. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to continue to do what I'm doing, right? Like what yep. lever is, what lever moves them? What motivates them? Yep. What other things are contributing? No, I, I, I it's, yeah, it's awesome. 
Um, back to the food thing because I love food. <laughs> uh, so oddly enough, I, I didn't, didn't even realize I was hurting myself with this. Yeah. Fasting. Like there are mm. so many of these things that's, that's crazy. And this is the other problem with social media. This is my, right? Yep. You got a million different people. Information overload. Fasting is the devil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Fasting is the worst. Fasting is, is terrible. First thing in the morning, you need to start eating or you're killing yourself. Like if you're not doing a 12 to 18 hour fasting window, what are you even doing with your life? Mm-hmm. How are you even healthy? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yep. but, but I didn't realize that like fasting for somebody with Hashimoto's is probably not a great. Depends on the person. Right. But certainly if they're in the healing phase that can stall things out. Yeah. Which, yeah. which makes a ton of sense to me. Mm-hmm. And like, so I, I'm so used to not, I was trying to, I was on the fat, you know, that was me intermittent fasting. I don't eat until noon or one. Oh yeah. I had a whole thing of coffee ready to go. It's just my coffee and no food. And yeah, I felt terrible. Yeah. <laughs> and it was crazy. Uh, yeah. So I, for a while, I don't know why I went back to fasting. But maybe if you feel, again, it goes back to that thing but like, I said earlier. If you feel good, right, do but, it. But, 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 it, but I wasn't. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was time and effort and whatever. <laughs> but like when I was waking up having, oddly enough, whole wheat toast. Yeah. I was having whole wheat toast with peanut butter, a little bit of banana, some honey. I was eating that and going and working out. Mm-hmm. Like I was actually like body stuff, body comp changes and like felt better. Yeah. Than like, hey, waking up, slamming. 200 milligrams of caffeine and then like <laughs> redlining it. Yeah. When you give your body food, you're telling it, Hey, I've got what I need. Please do my work for me. Yeah. Right. Please do what I need you to do. Right. Yeah. Which is, yeah, <laughs> just crazy. So, but it's, so here's the thing that I had, like so much of Hashimoto's, at least what I'm gathering for myself is stress related. Yeah. That's why it's one of those three, you know, one of the three pieces of that, that three legged stool I talked about. Right. And so, so I've been in CrossFit going on 13 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm talking, I'm maxing out. I'm, I'm redlining. I, there was points along the way where I'm doing six days a week. <laughs> and if I don't feel like I want to throw up, if my heart rate isn't at 180, at some point during that workout, I didn't do it right. Yep. And... um on top of all the other stress in my life and my provider's like, dude, you need to like, just go lift heavy weights, man. Yeah, he's chill like, out a little bit. Yeah, he's like, he's like, he's like, <laughs> I don't care if he's like, just go lift heavy weights, five set, like five reps by five, dude, walk on a treadmill. He's like your body. Cause I was frustrated. Mm-hmm. I was going like, I'm like, and this is when I was actually like really being good. I was like, I'm eating I'm eating super clean, mm-hmm. like, like obsessively. So I am crushing it six days out of the week in the gym. Nothing is changing. <laughs> like what the heck, man? Yeah. And he was like, dude, you're stress. Yep. Like, yeah. I'm pushing that cortisol. So can you ever like, I guess, is it possible to dial it, like dial back and then dial back up? Yes. Yeah. hundred percent. But 
it's knowing when you dial it back up, recognizing when you've done too much and correcting for it. Okay. Right. So it's like you, you can test it out, right? Test what your limit is. You may find that your set point is different, you right. know, right. Especially as we get a little bit older, set point's going to change a what little bit. What are you trying bit. to say, Dr. <laughs> hey, I wasn't talking about you, man. Okay. I'm getting out there. All right. right. <laughs> I was like, careful, careful. I'm already feeling that. Little right. Bit. But you know, I got, you know, I've got some folks like I, those are my type A folks, right? I kind of get two different Hashi's patients. I get the ones that are type A, they're working really hard, they're in the gym all the time, and they are just stressing their bodies out. And then I got the people who are doing no activity, <laughs> right. right? And they're couch potatoes. And so you get these two perspectives, and it's usually what you're gonna find is that there, there's a middle ground in there. Right. Yeah, and, and I've talked about this on Instagram before, but it's really about making the body feel safe. If the body feels like it's not in a safe environment, either a safe internal environment or external environment, then it's going to react to that. And that's our, our immune system is part of that reaction. And so sure. if you have an autoimmune disorder, it's going to gonna cause problems. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Got love on the body. I know. <laughs> it's hard when you're trying to do a million different things. <laughs> I know. And that's how I ended up with Hashi's in the first place. Right. So. It's, it's, you get it. <laughs> yeah. Well, because how long ago did you start your practice? I first started my practice September 2013. So. Now, when did you find out you had Hashi's? That's a good question. It's been a long time. It was probably a year, year and a half after that. Okay. I'd had symptoms for a long time. Sure. So if I had tested before then, I probably would have found it. Um, but yeah, I was like year, year and a half in. So how stressful was like med school for you? Very stressful. You felt, Very stressful. You felt stressed out a lot? Yeah. And well, I, mean, I would I, say... I mean, it's med school, right? So <laughs> yeah. yes, but there are people who handle it better than yeah, others. Yeah, like or... I felt like I was handling it in the moment. I would say it was actually more trying once I got out because gotcha. now I have to pretend I know what I'm doing and treat yeah. people. Right. Right. So, and the onus is on you. You don't have a, you know, an intending physician right. guiding you and telling you, uh, you know, whether you're doing something wrong or right. And so that's a lot of responsibility. Gotcha. And starting a business on top of that, right? It's not like MD school where you're assigned a residency and you know you're set no we have to figure this out you either you know there's not very many naturopathic jobs out there right there's not a lot right. of practices just hiring people in so you know you're lucky if you get that or most of us just make our own way and so now all of a sudden okay well now I have to learn how to run a business because our business classes were a joke so there was the stress of that and I think those were the pieces like yes there was stress in med school but I feel like that was the thing that really kind of tipped the scale for me because you graduated 20, 2011. 2011 yeah end of 2011 okay and so when I first started my practice I mean yeah I was running my practice but I was also working like four different jobs outside it's of so, that it's so crazy yeah I was teaching at MCC I was tutoring I mean I was doing all sorts of things just to make ends meet yeah until my practice took off yeah. Yeah. Not very much sleep. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> no. Eating junk because yeah. we had time to cook. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, and right when your body gets tired, your body craves that crap. A hundred percent because it's looking for cheap sources of energy. It's like, right. okay, I know this is going to give me a little bit of boost. Great. And then you crash. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't think people realize too. I mean, you go see your provider. And I'm not, this is not a like, oh, poor me, poor providers, right? <laughs> but you go see your provider and if they've started their own practice, you don't, nobody really understands what went into that. Yeah. 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 We don't, we don't talk about that a lot because it's kind of like, oh, I'm just glad I'm past that point of it. Right. And they're well, still running your business and running my business now is still well, yeah. stressful in a lot of ways, but I've put systems in place that well, allow me to take better care of myself. Well, 100%. And you're a tech, I mean, it, look, at the end of the day, right, we're, we're techs. We're <laughs> yeah. technicians. We're mechanics. Yep. Like we, we, we can, we do this thing. Yeah. And we do it pretty well. 
nobody taught us how to be business people. No. And so it's like going to school all over again. Yep. Right. Except this time your livelihood is right. It's like, Hey, how how am I going to live? How am I going to be able to provide service to other people? If you hired some employees, right. How am I like you start going, well, not only were you married at the time or are you married? Okay. So you're like, well, shoot my, there's somebody else now that kind of is relying on me somewhat too. Right. Yep. And now you're like, Oh shoot, I've hired some people. How many people are in their family? They're kind of relying on me now too, uh-huh. right? And so there's, yeah, it's a lot of stress. It's a lot of stress. It's yeah. a lot of stress. My yeah. big spike happened actually after we moved here to yep. this building and I hired somebody else and was trying to keep pushing and like starting to scale. Yeah. And what was interesting, right? And what was interesting is when we started to scale, I thought I was going to get more time back <laughs> and I got less time back. Yeah. That's and, how it goes. And I, you know, and things just kind of, the wheels started falling off. Yep. Yep. And the, yeah, but the, you know, what I try to teach my patients is that the longer you're on this Hashi's journey and the more you get in tune with your body, yeah. the sooner you're going to recognize like, Oh, okay, whatever I'm doing right now, there's something that's off and I need to change that and fix that and adapt to that right, right? in a more positive way. Yeah. And that's just part of the process, right? There's ups and downs. For sure. You just learn. Yeah. Yeah. You got to trust <laughs> to keep moving. So what I always sign my, whenever I send an email, yeah. to patients after evaluation and stuff like that, or even when I send an email in general, my my signature mm-hmm. is keep moving and trust the process. I love that. So that's like, it's like, da, 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 keep moving, trust the process, break. Yeah. Like, but that's, so that's kind of, it's the same journey, it's right? It's the same health, journey. Health, yeah. is, health is, and that's the other thing I think, and I'm not saying anything that nobody's ever thought before, right? Mm-hmm. But we live in such a, hey, I need this now mm-hmm. society. And so like, I, I actually, because I can't be trusted, <laughs> to take care of my own nutrition. Mm-hmm. Um, so because I can't be trusted to, to make my own, like right now in this moment of like where scaling stress, like, so I'm 40, mm-hmm. turned 41 in June. I got a 21 month old. Oh gosh. And we're having another one in May. <laughs> okay. So not only like, are we like, I'm at that early stage of kids yep. trying to grow a business trying to like all that stuff. Right. So I cannot be trusted to be objective or need some level of accountability for my nutrition, even though up here, I know it. Like when I tore my bicep tendon, I couldn't be objective about how to take care of myself because I would have pushed it Mm -hmm. too hard and I probably would have messed that up. So I had to run my, run my plans by my friend, uh, one of the best, PTs I know named Kingsley U. He's out in New York and Kingsley's phenomenal. But like I would message Kingsley and he's like, Hey, I'm cleared to like start a five pound restriction. So I'm going to do blood flow restriction today and we're going to start at five pounds. And he's like, Hey Brig. (laughs) Yeah. Kingsley. How about we just do blood flow restriction and no pounds? Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's why you ask your friends. I'm like, I'm like, because I know I can handle five pounds. He goes, Brig. How about no pounds? And he was right. You know yep. what I mean? Because, and that's what I would have told somebody else, but yeah. I'm not going to tell that to myself. So I recently, um, I don't even know where I was going with this. Holy the kids, crap. Yeah. But just kid. not, yeah, but yeah. just not being able to trust myself with, with nutrition. So I hired, yeah. I hired a nutrition yeah. coach, right? Like yeah. to, to start working on that stuff. And that's part of it. Recognize where your weak spot is and hire someone to help you with it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, this is where I was going with it. Um, because we talked about, 
animal protein. Yes. And, and beef is king, right? Yep. And that's my wife is so sick of she's pregnant. She's like, please tell me you're not just making ground beef again. She's <laughs> like, this smells so disgusting. She's uh, like, I can't, I can't. She's like, I literally will throw up if I have to yeah. make ground beef again. But drinking your protein. So I have seen now beef proteins. Yeah, like hydro beef like protein. Like beef, beef yep. protein powders. Mm-hmm. Yep. Is it the same? No. Or it's not, it's not, no. No, still eat real food. Now, it doesn't mean you never use those things, yeah. right? They can fill the gap when you have a busy day or whatever it might sure. be, but I always prioritize real food in its most natural state. All right. But they can be Fine. helpful. It can be helpful, I you know, know. No. especially like if you're at that place where it's like, okay, I'm super busy. Yeah. I would rather you have that than go and get, you know, some junk, you know, some fast food. That's not really not going to serve you well. Like if I have a choice between the two, like have your protein drink. It's right. fine. But yeah. yeah, always real food first when you can. For sure. Yeah. Smash burger. <laughs> no bun. <laughs> hey, Smash burger was, you know, the carnivore MD approved. Yeah. Yeah. I know. They, I love how he's been doing they, some of those. I they haven't used seen lard. Them. Yeah. Yeah. So many places are seed oils. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that was something else. What is with... How, why are seed oils getting a bad, like... They've always been bad. It's just that people are... It's it's, it's more popular, and it's a, a, as far as, like, you know, people learning about that and people talking about it. But that's been known for a long time. I mean, these are industrial... Yeah. I mean, we so, lear, I learned it in med school. Okay. Yeah. So they're industrialized seed oils, Come right? On. They're inflammatory. Why are we... Okay. So why is grape seed... So why is grape seed oil considered industrialized seed oil? Like... I don't understand why. Like, so a lot of these, when they, when we first saw the the start of seed, like those were actually considered like, you know, throwaway oils, right? And they realized it was like, oh, I can turn this. I can make some money off this. Yeah, I can put this in your, you know, put it in your food, right? Not, you know. Yeah. Because who they um, at the time probably did not realize the effects that it was going to have on the body. I mean, they knew it was a toxic byproduct, but and they were throwing it away anyway. But give me things with Cool Whip I've eaten. That are hydrogenated, uh, like we all have. Like Cool Whip yeah. is not da- like it's. I thought it was dairy. No, no, yeah. It's, but you can make your own whipped cream, and it's delicious from heavy yeah. cream. Co- coconut milk. <laughs> yeah, coconut, coconut milk too. Cream. Yeah. Uh, sorry, but seed oil. So yeah. that was. So it's just like so. Because like somebody, um, who has done a great job in the health space. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna name him. Yeah. But um, pretty popular famous person mm-hmm. right but like they were telling people to cook with grapeseed oil mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it has a low has a, a higher flash point yeah, yeah yeah and isn't gonna smoke and they were like well you're not gonna get like the same like carcinogens and like burnt stuff and mm. right but, yeah. but but grapeseed oil falls under those it's a seed oil so was, so and i would yeah because i was told like i gotta stay stay the hell away from seed oils yep and it was like if it ain't coconut oil Olive oil, mm-hmm. or was there one? Is there one other? Avocado. Avocado. That was yep. yeah. So it was if, if it wasn't avocado oil, coconut oil, or olive oil, don't mess with it. Yeah, or use butter or lard or tallow or some of those. But I was told, but see, and maybe this is just depending on the person. But I was told to stay away from dairy as well for like my initial yeah. hashis. Kind yeah, of like it depends less. on the person. It might be something that you have to restrict initially, and then some people will find that later on that they can tolerate it once their gut is healed. Okay, it's it's individual for sure. Gotcha. Yeah. 
or like some people can do like clarified butter, so ghee, but no, not. You, you keep ghee. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I use butter. I tolerate taste, dairy, ghee, so ghee, I'm good. Ghee tastes like, I don't know. It's got that weird nutty taste. It does. I, I do not like it. Yeah. Like give me, like I will spend the money. Give me Kerrygold, yeah. grass fed. Mm-hmm. Like if I make cookies, I'm, I'm only, I'm only using, <laughs> I'm only using bougie butter. Yeah. It's the best kind though. It tastes so good when it's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and there's some places doing raw butter around here too so that's kind of cool yeah yeah mm-hmm. what's up with new zealand cows why are new zealand cows superior have you heard this i think there's just better quality like what they're feeding on okay. is better quality than what we have around here sure right so makes sense right healthier I, healthier animals yeah healthier. like i like i saw a thing it was like our our whey protein is is made from way with yeah. from new zealand cows yeah that's always a selling point everyone's like oh that sounds exotic and awesome right. <laughs> but yeah i think it's just better quality so this has been a thought. Okay, here we go. No, it will just, it's not that big. It hasn't been in the news anymore because everybody finally saw the downfall. But organs. Organ needs. Yeah. What's the, so right, Liver King and the nine ancestral oh. tenets would tell us that that's all you need. Oh, that guy. Yeah, right? <laughs> Liver King. Right. Yeah. His wife looks like she's in a hostage video every time she's on camera. That's so true. She's like, I don't really want to go along with this, but this pays for my boat and my private yeah, jet. And, and I like my stuff. <laughs> yeah. What? But so, but is there something, is there something to it? Potentially. So it's interesting. Like if you, are you familiar with Michaela Peterson? Yeah. Jordan Peterson, uh-huh. right? Yeah, Jordan Peterson's so, daughter. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. So she follows a pretty strict carnivore diet and has mm-hmm. been very therapeutical or therapeutic and beneficial for her. And she, it was interesting because she initially was saying, and I think she's kind of gone back and forth on a little bit, but she doesn't eat organs. And gotcha. she's done nutritional profiles and seemed okay. But I think there was one recently that I saw, I'm pretty sure it was her, where she was like, okay, I'm seeing I'm a little deficient in a couple of things and I can't remember what it was. And she's like, that might be a place where organs could be beneficial. Interesting. Does it need to be at the amount that like Carnivore MD talks about? Like I think he says a half ounce, an ounce a day or something like yeah. that. Uh, I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. And I think you can get away without them, but there, I think there could be in some cases, some therapeutic benefit. It depends on like how expansive your diet is, right? Like, are you strict carnivore? Are you animal based and you eat, you know, a couple of other things outside of strict carnivore? Like, what does that look like? And right. are you filling those nutritional gaps? And then like, so, you know, obviously carnivore MD, what is his natural name? Is it Sal- Paul Saladino? Paul Saladino. Yeah. I, I know I'm like, cause he's got salad in his name. So yeah. And he funny. was at, yeah. Right. And he was, and he's a conventionally Western trained yes. medical doctor from U of yes. A. Yep. Um, what were we just talking about? Carnivore diet and oh yeah. Liver. So yeah. obviously he's trying to sell some supplements too. Of course. Right. Heart yeah. and soil. Right. So if it is desiccated mm-hmm. beef organs, mm-hmm. Same, I mean, it, similar, I mean, be basically, would yeah. basically be the equivalent of eating liver? Yes. Yeah, you're like. getting all, you know, I, I, I guess I haven't looked at like the nutrition nutritional comparison, but I imagine it's relatively the same because with the dehydration process, right? You're not, yeah. le- you know, you're not you know, boiling, yeah, losing a bunch of nutrients through that. So I imagine they're fairly similar. Yeah. Okay. So like if you, if the, if the idea of munching raw liver <laughs> Right is like not appealing. Yeah, desiccated beef organs might be a a, a way to get uh, yep. 
that yeah. nutritional. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, some people refer to it as like nature's multivitamin. I wouldn't necessarily go that far, go that far, but it definitely has some nutrients in it. And you know, most of the natural or natural desiccated thyroid, most of the desiccated beef organs I've seen, you know, the dosing somewhere around like six capsules a day. And so, yeah. so it can be a lot. And so for some people, yeah, maybe that might be an initial need to do that much, but oftentimes like people will find like a couple capsules a few times a week it helps fill the gap there, but there's other things that they could do too. Yeah. So speaking of supplements and things like that, I know, and I know each person is individual and different yep. or whatever, Yep. but I'm going to ask you to do like a broad generalization. Yeah. What do you see as supplements that most people should be taking? That have Hashimoto's? Or, so yeah, let's do that. Let's yeah, do yeah. Hashimoto's and not, and just your normal run-of-the-mill person. Yeah. So for my Hashimoto's patients, things that I find that can be beneficial would be selenium. Okay. Um, Which does what for people? Yeah, so selenium is one of the nutrients that we need to actually form thyroid hormone. So gotcha. it supports that. Um, same thing with zinc. Okay. So it can be very beneficial in that way. Um, magnesium's a big one. A lot of people are depleted in magnesium, and that's because our soils are depleted with magnesium. And people who are eating a high carbohydrate, high sugar diet, they're depleting their magnesium. Magnesium's sure. required for that process. So I find that those three things, especially initially, uh, can be beneficial. It doesn't matter what kind of magnesium, right? Or like zinc, Depends, like does yeah. it like the zinc piconate versus yeah, yeah, yeah. It does, or magnesium L three and eight. Yeah, so there's going to be different levels of absorption with different types of magnesium. So it kind of depends on what your goal is. And sometimes I'll have patients taking two different types of magnesium because hmm. I want to use them for different things. Sure. A lot of times in Hashi's, I do like the magnesium L3 and 8. It's the only one that crosses the blood-brain barrier. So gotcha. a lot of people with Hashi's have anxiety and depression and other things, and it helps just make them feel a little bit more calm. Sure. So I would say those are big ones. Sometimes fish oil, but mo most of the time I'm just trying to push that through diet. Okay. But it kind of just depends. If they've got a lot of inflammation, then we might do a therapeutic dose of that as well. For sure. For the average, oh, minerals. I feel like everybody just needs like trace minerals oh, in particular. Okay. Trace minerals can be very, very, very beneficial. And I would say that's for everybody. Because uh, again, you just get a trace mineral. Yeah, trace minerals. Um, trace minerals research is a good company. They have like a liquid yeah. one. Hmm. Um, so that's kind of nice. It can taste a little funky, but you know, you kind of just cover it up with other stuff. Sure. <laughs> but I think everyone can benefit from that because again, our soils are depleted. So even if you're eating all the right foods, we're not getting near the same nutrients that our ancestors were. Okay. So trace minerals can be super helpful. I would also say magnesium is something that most people are going to need. When we think of it from the perspective of what is it like 88% of the U.S. population is metabolically unhealthy, meaning that they have high blood sugar, they have metabolic syndrome, sure. they have insulin resistance. Those people need magnesium, yeah. right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, so where does something like uh, glutamine Oh, glutamine. Yeah, that can be great for leaky gut. So I'll oftentimes, uh, you know, with an elimination diet, I may be adding something like that in. Oftentimes there'll be like, I won't do it by itself. I might have other things in there like marshmallow root or um, other like herbs that will help heal up the intestinal lining. Yeah. But yeah, L-glutamine's great. What And then like uh, sodium butyrate? That can be helpful too, depending on what's going on in their gut. Okay. Yeah. So what is so like, so yeah, what is, what does... L-glutamine and what does, because those, those are things that I've been recommended. Yeah. So what does, and, and I didn't take the time to ask the question when I was there. You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Yeah, I should have, yeah. but I was like, I got, I got stuff to do, man. Yeah. I'm stressed. Yeah. So what is, so sodium butyrate, what's the, 
What yeah. Does it, what does it do? So again, it's it's all part of that process of healing the intestinal lining. So okay. it helps promote the healing of those cells so that they can recover and that you don't have so much space between those cells and it's it's uh, not as much gap between there. So okay. less leakiness. Just helping you build that yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Helps with the microbiome. Yeah. So if somebody, what give, I know, I'm like, I figured it out, Brig. Uh, what would you say top three to five symptoms that somebody should be on the lookout for and maybe want to go see somebody to check thyroid function? Yeah. What would you say are the three to five things? I would say fatigue. Okay. Constipation. Okay. Um, hair loss. Uh-huh. So, and that could be all over hair loss, but in particular, people with thyroid disorders tend to lose the outer third of their eyebrow. Interesting. Yeah. So I always ask my Are ladies. Are you looking at my eyebrows? <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> do I have a, do I, does it look like I'm yeah, yeah, This one, I have a scar. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. That one doesn't count. You're doing all right. All right. But, you know, I'll, I have to ask ladies because they'll come in and maybe have like covered it up. Sure. Right. And yeah. so I always have to ask, like, are you losing that? Right. So I would say those are my top three. So what did I say? Fatigue, constipation, and, hair loss, yeah. um, dry skin. Yeah. Could be a big one. Yeah, I get that. And one. just weight gain or just not being able to, you know, not being able to lose weight okay. or feeling like that puffy feeling like I described earlier. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So then where can people uh so yeah, promote yeah. Promote yourself. Where, yeah. where where can they find you on the socials, online? Yeah. So usually the you easiest. Wanna, and we're gonna put yeah. this all in like show notes and stuff. And if you want to sure. if you want to give a phone, whatever. However yeah, you yeah. want to usually the easiest is Instagram because I've got a link in there that kind of goes to all of my stuff. So but if you're not on Instagram, so my Instagram handle is dr stone S T O N E A Z. Gotcha. So Dr. Stone A Z. Uh, but if you're not on Instagram, because I know some folks are not, then you can go to my website. It's just drstoneaz.com. So pretty easy to find. But at least on Instagram, like you'll see links for there's links for my book there. There's links to schedule virtual consult. If you're not in Arizona, if you are in Arizona, you know, you can contact me through there as well. So lots of different options there. Awesome. Yeah. And so guys, yeah, worth every penny. Go check her out. Dr. Carolyn Stone and you. And so specialty Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism. Hypothyroidism. Yeah. Now, do you do you take other patients as well? It's just general primary. Yeah. So care? I I do. Um, I'll treat gastrointestinal disorders. I'll treat hormone imbalances and adrenal issues. But okay. for sure, thyroid's my main thing. That's your jam. Yep. All right, everybody. So it's drstoneaz.com. Instagram, drstoneaz. Dr. Stone. Thank you for coming by and answering all my questions. Heck yeah. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. Yeah, nice to meet you.